Hello and welcome to Queer Media Pills, the podcast bringing queer media to your ears one small pill at a time. My name is Mars, my pronouns are he, him, and I am your host. Now, in the previous episode, which was uh, over a month ago now, I did say I had a plan not to get behind on the schedule, and I didn't lie. I want you all to know that I did not lie. The plan was, however, not very well constructed, and it did fall through because I had failed to take into account that this podcast is not the only thing I do in my life. I know, crazy. Uh, I had a whole dissertation, essentially, to stay right, and also I almost died. Fun fact, my health is not great. So yeah, I literally almost died, but that's a me problem, not a you problem. So yeah, never mind me potentially dying. Let's dive straight into today's topic, which is Mother Mother, which is a band. It's a indie rock band from Canada. They started off like they were big in the early 2000s. I think they started off in 2005. Yes, 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 this is correct. This is a fact. I don't think so. They did start off in 2005, and uh, I'm saying they were, but like they are, they are still active band, and specifically they had like these huge resurgence in popularity in well 2000 2020. Who says that 2020? They had this big resurgence in 2020, end of 2020 through TikTok. And this is very interesting because I knew them from early 2020 and this is not me like, oh, I was there before it was cool. It's just very interesting that, yes, this is a seemingly organic success from like people on TikTok making them more popular. But I know for a fact that around early 2020, Spotify started pushing them on me in terms of like, you know how uh, Spotify, when you're listening to music, sometimes you can set up a radio and you'll be listening to some music and then the radio will show you music that you might like based on the music you were listening to. And I had a lot of Mother Mother there from before they quote-unquote exploded. So, you know, hmm. I think it's interesting when we talk about like these spontaneous successes through viral trends that we question whether they are spontaneous or whether an algorithm is feeding them to us. Like, I don't know, just food for thought. But this is not like in any way to discredit the quality of their music, uh, which is not the main point of today's episode. Like, I don't think, I'm not a music expert in terms of like quality of the music. What I'm gonna talk about is more like the queer impact of this band, which is something I think is completely are related from quality and actually sometimes things that are bad are more queer because they're planned but that's not even the point i'm getting sidetracked again uh i do really like their music but also like i don't know if spotify was pushing them to me because i'm just like still emo and never grew up or because they were about to become big and they already knew, you know what I mean? Or vice versa, a lot of people have been feeling nostalgic lately, like people from the early 2000s who, who enjoyed that kind of music have been, are grown up now and feel nostalgic about feeling a teen, so they're listening to that. You know, 
tomato tomato kind of situation but yeah um they are not queer themselves to my knowledge and like you know on this podcast we don't speculate on people's queerness we don't know people's private life their public image i haven't seen anything about the members of the band identifying as part of the community so like their public image i don't know seems pretty straight to me i could be wrong i will not go down a deep dive of research about it because that's just weird like i've done my time in the dan and phil fandom i have learned my lesson but they are however like there are queer things about them and i think they're twofold when it comes to like observing and like why are they relevant why am i talking about them one their fandom um i'm gonna talk a bit about why i think their fandom is so queer and secondly um they have some non-binary rep and like you ask what you just said they're not part of the lgbt community if you want to find out what i mean by that you have to listen won't you uh this is a podcast um yes so queer themes uh fandom 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 we've said uh, they've blown up on tiktok for some reason and i do think it's partially pushed by an algorithm because they do not trust any kind of organic growth of that size especially when it happens so close to uh, um an album release but then again I feel like it's happened so close to an album release, but maybe it hasn't. I don't know how long it actually takes to produce an album, because basically their new studio album, uh, Inside, was released in 2021, June 2021, which is just a few months from when they've blown up. So I don't know if they've done it in response or if they were already short already, and then they... I'm not behind the scenes. I'm just looking at it. And what's interesting is that on TikTok for quite a while, I haven't seen that as much anymore, but for quite a while, people have been under the impression that Mother Mother was a non-binary signifier. So, you know, like when um, we've talked in this podcast in the past about uh, Girl in Red and how the sentence, do you listen to Girl in Red as began, at least was for a while, or I still is um, code amongst the sapphic community for, oh, are you a girl who's into girls? Because Girl in Red is a girl who's into girls. So that's sort of what, oh, do you listen to Mother Mother had become for a while on TikTok? for non-binary people so like as a subtle quote-unquote way to ask each other if you're non-binary but i did see it as very much part of a broader wave of trying to codify the non-binary identity into a specific frame of reference of this old like pop punk aesthetic that's like alternative to a degree with like dyed hair and I don't know studs on your clothes and that kind of stuff but like not fully really belonging to a subculture which makes sense because I do think there because there are no codified ways like 
to look non-binary. Like, no one looks non-binary. There's no such a thing as looking non-binary. You can look androgynous, but that means nothing. You can be an androgynous woman. You can be an androgynous man. You can be an androgynous non-binary person, but you can also be a feminine or a masculine non-binary person. Um, that's presentation. That's not identity. So I think it makes sense to a degree that certain communities where a lot of people who are queer already gravitate around, like the emo community, uh, around which a lot of gender nonconforming specifically people gravitate around, I think, because especially like in the 2000s, it was starting to get pretty normalized for emo kids of any gender to wear makeup. So it was a space where androgyny and playing with gender nonconformity was very much the trend. It was not just allowed, it was encouraged. So I think it makes sense that so many old people are non-binary, but that doesn't go the other way. So it's a lot of uh, punk-presenting people who are non-binary, but it's not that non-binary people are alternative-presenting and punk-presenting. Um, so I think that's why that didn't really sit as well with me as stuff like, oh, do you listen to Girl and Red? Because that referred to the actual content of the songs, right? Referred to an ex a shared experience of relating to these lyrics because you're a girl who likes girls. Whereas with Mother Mother, it's, uh, if anything, I would argue that listening to My Chemical Romance should be a bit more of a signifier of actually being a binary with third way using he they pronouns and you know lyrics like mama being so so deeply gender queer um i don't find as much gender queerness in mother mothers or at least they don't definitely in their pre-2020 lyrics so the lyrics written before they got popular amongst non-binary people but what it does get interesting is with one of their old songs one of the most popular on tiktok which is halo and basically mother mother made a new song called halo 2 like with roman numerals which is a sequel because halo is one of those songs that has a plot to it but it's essentially these two teenagers they're having sex in secret because they don't want the father of the girl this is a straight couple by the way the father of the girl or is it a straight couple they don't want her father to know and then he finds out and goes chasing them and shoots at them and and then halo 2 which came out now like end of january 2022 is about the girl basically it's about her uh, it's all about her taking revenge on the father essentially but then in the music video we see that she wants revenge but she's really haunted by the trauma and becoming in a way her abuser which is a very interesting take on the cycle of abuse but interestingly the lyrics use both she and they pronouns for this character and and I have used her with no problem referring to this character mostly because the lyrics also refer to her as a girl, but they're in the in the um chorus there are these lyrics where they go, She's not a bad kid, but she had to do it. 
and then he goes they're not a bad kid but they have to do it which the use of the singular article there they're not a bad kid tells us that they're not talking about a plural they they're not talking about the couple because of course also we know the the boy died so i think it's an interesting the this is a song in which the character is explicitly addressed with multiple pronouns first of all which is not something that you see a lot there's not often the acknowledgement that non-binary people can use multiple set of pronouns can have a more feminine presentation can like gendered words like i'm a non-binary person i like when people use masculine words when they talk about me i use he him pronouns I don't use they them pronouns. I'm still non-binary. And and I really like that this was a response, like a subtle in a way, but also very explicit response that Mother Mother had, I think, to their fan base rather than something that they updated on. Like in a way, they did it spontaneously. No one was asking them to. And in a way, it's like this homage of this dialogue between the artist and the fans that I think is very beautiful and is how you do rep- representation for a community you are not part of and you do it well, which is you don't make the whole thing about this identity. You don't, it's not a song about gender nonconformity. It's not a song about being non-binary. Uh, because again, I don't know if they're non-binary or not, but I haven't seen anything about them being so, so I am working on the assumption that they aren't. And if they're not, and I'm completely mistaken, and uh, or this is just them exploring this possibility, this is also possible, but it would still mean the the dialogue with this popularity of Malamada amongst non-binary people may have influenced their own discovery, and I don't know, I cannot know that, but what I do know is the text does have she they pronouns for this character and it did make me very happy and this is exactly the kind of textual representation that I really really enjoy and the song slaps like the song is great I've been lip syncing to it every day these this was mother mother and their queer success this was queer media builds a podcast bringing queer media to yours one small pill at a time and if you want to follow me on social media, I'm at Queer Media Tales on Twitter, Instagram, and probably somewhere else. Oh, Tumblr, Tumblr, yes. I also have a website, queermediapills.com, that I update with blog posts as well as sharing the RSS feed for the podcast on. So if you want more of the content outside of the podcast, you can go there. And I will see you in two weeks because I've decided that clearly I cannot upkeep a weekly upload schedule, but I do think I can update every two weeks. So, so I'll see you in two weeks on this feed, Friday at 4 p.m. as usual, and bye bye